Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Kyle. The You Know I Got So In Stereo podcast is back. I've got Tom with me. Tom, we've upgraded our studio that You Know I Got So Studio, so our podcasts are going to sound a lot better, right, Tom? Yeah, we invested all of our uh, ad money into purchasing new equipment, so we're kind of broke right now, but we sound pretty good. (laughs) And that's what matters most, (laughs) the listeners. Uh, Tom, a lot to talk about this week in R&B, but... You know, I gotta, I gotta bring up something. I was on Facebook the other day. Um, actually, before we get into that, let's talk about Twitter for a minute. I think a week ago, hold on, just Kyle. randomly one H- evening. Hold on, Kyle. Yep. You forgot about Ed. Oh, uh, oh, right. Um, so through the process of upgrading all of our equipment, we had to let some of our staff member go. So, um, I'm just kidding. He's he's um, actually is, I think no Ed's in uh, Las Vegas right now at the Keith Sweat uh, residency, so he couldn't make it. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. But we'll have Ed for another episode. Ooh, I thought I, I, I was going to tell everyone we fired him, but I guess Ed is still part of the team. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just wanted to talk about Twitter a little bit, Tom. You know, this was happening around midnight. And everyone, for some reason, on Twitter just started talking about 90s R&B. You had Jagged Edge trending. You had Drew Hill trending. And it was like a flashback moment. And it got to thinking, Tom, like, people really miss that 90s R&B. Yeah, they do. It was considered one of the golden eras of R&B. And uh, people still miss it. They st- Some people will only listen to 90s R&B, especially... The subgenres too, like New Jack Swing. You know, Europe is still on that New Jack Swing tip. <clears throat> DJ Soulchild. <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> at '90s R&B, it's it's it was one of the best times for music. I grew up in that era. I think you came a little later in that era. Your mom came in that era. Yeah, I came up a little. <laughs> yeah, I came in a little a little later, but my mom was playing that stuff, so I kind of grew up in that era, I guess. But Tom, when it comes to '90s R&B, first of all, what is '90s R&B? Like, w- define that to to the listeners who who grew up listening to that. Like, what separates '90s R&B from 2000s R&B and '80s R&B? Like, what what is it? Well, besides the obvious answer of it came out between 1990 and 1999. Uh, <laughs> and oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there was just a, it was just a certain quality to it it had a a certain edge came into it you know and you know compared to 80s r&b it definitely got edgier it was a lot of it was about the vocals you know everyone was competing with each other vocally and you know the quality it, it just like hit people people gravitated to it people were doing some really unique things i think some of the sounds in the 80s just to compare were more generic so we got some like unique producers and Really, they were competing with each other. So, and then of course the groups were competing with each other, and so it really brought the best in everyone. And I feel like, in my opinion, we really got you know su- such good music during that time. Labels were behind it. It was crossing over to pop. You know, you were hearing R and B music on pop radio. Of course, like Boys to Men. You know, Mariah Carey started branching into R and B from pop, and it was just I don't know. What's your uh, what, what do you take from that era? I got two words for you, Tom. Slow jams. <laughs> like, the art of slow jams has... I don't think that term even exists anymore, to be honest. Like, you have ballads, but I think slow jams has its own 
definition to it. And I can't really even explain the difference, but it's just like the 90s R&B, like that's where the slow jams all happen. You think about Boys to Men, um, you think about 112, Jagged Edge, Drew Hill, like what Tom, what are your some what are, what are some of your favorite slow jams? You're putting me on the spot just like that. Just like that. Time to pull up the iTunes. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course, boys to men. When you think of them, they had two, like a few of the biggest ones. But yep. I'm gonna have to come back to you on this one. I can't off the top of my head. Just, of course, my favorite slow jam probably of all time is John B's. They don't know. Shout out to John B. Our oh, boy. Wow. Just because I'm a, I'm a John B. Fan. But uh, what do you got? Dope. You know what? The slow jam that always, you know, whenever I think of slow jams, obviously you have the, the boys to men, the I'll make love to you's and stuff like that. But the one that really stood out to me was 112's Cupid. Mm. That was one of my favorites. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. um, and then, oh, go ahead. I was going to say on, on Twitter, you had the obvious debate of 112 versus Drew Hill versus Jagged Edge. I hate that debate, and I think we've had. I hate that. We've debate. had countless debates about that. You hate. Why do you hate that debate? Because let me tell you, Tom. If you if you um Google that right now, one twelve versus Jagged Edge versus Drew Hill, on numerous forums, whether it's Nike Talk, whether it's Prince <laughs> Forum, you see some dude named the DJ Slam ask this exact question. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that you? That was two thousand and nine. Okay. That was like eight years ago, man. Come on now. Man. First of all, you didn't even mention Next in this in this category. Next has to be in there too. That's that's true. They had the biggest crossover hits out of all of them, if you look it up. Yeah, Too Close is the biggest one so, for sure. But yeah, I just don't like the debate because why are we still debating that? I mean, why does it even really matter? You know, just, let's just enjoy all of them. Actually, actually, personally, I was a bigger 112 fan, but then I came to appreciate Jagged Edge later on, and now I just like them both equally. So that's my opinion. What happened, what happened to Drew Hill? Well, Drew Hill, no, I like I like Drew Hill a lot, too. I thought we were talking about 112 versus Jagged Edge because the two Atlanta groups oh, always okay. get compared. But Drew Hill, in my opinion, were the, the best vocalists. Yep. And, you know... Of course, like I said, we have to keep next in that group, too. Those were like the four of the late 90s that were really making those big hits. It's like you had the late 90s R&B groups, and you had like the early 90s, like the Joe Disease and the Boys to Men. It's like, a, it, to me, that's like two separate, maybe throw Guy in there, too. Two separate categories. Can't forget, well, where would you put Blackstreet? Ooh. Because let me tell you, Blackstreet... Their first two albums, like man, I'm a, I'm, I would be considered too young for the the first two Blackstreet albums, but I went back and listened to it, and man, Teddy Riley, Dave Hollister, Chauncey, man, those two albums, classics. Well, if you, that's an interesting thing you brought up because how come they don't really get mentioned always among the One Twelves and the Jagged Edge and the Drew Hills and the Next, even though they had multiple platinum albums, huge singles. No Diggity is probably even bigger than Too Close, right? Uh, I know it was the number one single. I don't know offhand which was bigger. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Take Me There, though, from the Rugrats soundtrack. 
<laughs> Great song. Shoutouts to Maya. <laughs> yes. Yep. Isn't that crazy, though, how in the 90s you would have R&B songs end up on kid soundtracks? Like, remember the Space Jam soundtrack? Yeah. Monica, All for One, R. Kelly. It was just a, a different time. Don't don't forget about the female groups, too. We had huge female groups. SWV, TLC, and Vogue, Escape, come to mind immediately. Yeah. T- who do you got? Man, who, but- who do you think was bigger, TLC or SWV? I mean, I think TLC reached another level. Right. They crossed over to pop, came to another level. But you know what? And I don't want to be hating Tom, but I'm going to just put it out there. Like, stylistically, TLC is amazing. But vocally, like, how come they never got called out for their vocals? Because I, I, I've never really saw the appeal with them vocally. Or maybe they weren't labeled as vocalists. Well... I feel like in R and B in the t- in that time you had to come with the vocals. I think that uh, they did just enough. I, th- I mean, their music was that was good that good that you just couldn't deny them. So I wish Ed was here because he would be able to speak on this more with more authority. But you know, regardless, they had huge pop hits and they're still legends to this day. And if, if you- but Tom. Um- yeah, go ahead. I don't know. I don't know because I feel like, like, I, first of all, we love TLC. Oh boy, love all their music, but, but come on, like, T balls and Chili, is some like because Tom, I watched a recent clip of them, a live performance, and they're out there lip singing, and then I found out from our our readers on Twitter that they've been lip syncing since like the beginning, and it's just like I understand they dance, but come on. Yeah, that's a little disappointing. But at the end of the day, do you think that takes away from their legacy? I mean... To me, it probably doesn't, just because they were able to put out so much great music during their time. But, well, first of all, what hurts their legacy now is where the hell is the new album? Well, that's a huge problem. They took everyone's money and donations. They haven't even given a status update on, on it, if I remember correctly. So it's almost like... That's that's bad. That's really bad. Well, well, we did get a press release recently. They're actually going on tour soon. They're going on a 90s R&B, I guess, 90s R&B tour. It's them. I believe Montel Jordan is on that bill. Um, who else is there? Blackstreet and Cisco. Not Drew Hill, but Yeah, Cisco. That's, that's annoying. I hate when they do that. We don't want jazz and Nokio. We just want Cisco. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know the dates for this yet. Actually, it's already been going on. The tour name is the uh, I Love 90s uh, tour. Um, and I think they switch up the acts every so often. So right now, I think you have people like Salt and Peppa and All for One hitting the road. And then I think they're going to switch it up for another, uh, another lineup. And TLC is going to be part of that one. So that should be fun for all the throwback music lovers who just want to have fun and get drowned in the nostalgia well i know you're going let me tell you i don't know if i ever told you guys this story but tom and i were in new york i think it was last august oh boy 
and Ja Rule and Ash- Ja Rule and Ashanti were performing at what was it the PlayStation Theater? Yep. Theater. Yep. Man, let me tell you guys, nostalgia is is deadly. <laughs> like, theoretically, why would you pay so much money to listen to songs that came out 10, 20 years ago? But when you're caught in the moment, man, yeah. you just gotta you gotta spend that money. Yeah, but that's the thing, though, because even though a lot of '90s artists don't sell records anymore. They still sell out their shows across the world based off their previous hits. People still pay money to see them live and hear those songs, so they could do that forever. I mean, they don't have to release. That's why I keep saying I don't think anyone's really going to be in a rush to release an album anytime soon because they could just tour pretty much as much as they want and make good money. You know, if you're not going to sell albums. And I would even, I would even argue that a song like Pony by Genuine, it was huge back then, but it's it's like even bigger now it's crazy people love it people love that song Uh, it's like white america now (laughs) it's been taken by white america oh boy (laughs) let me ask you this though you know you grew up in the 2000s of r&b so what elements do you think spilled over from the 90s into the 2000s if any um i think um, especially the early part of the 2000s. I mean, the production was updated. It had a lot more hip-hop influence on it. I think when you saw what the Neptunes and Timbaland and all these great producers were doing, they kind of enhanced the sound. I think vocally, it wasn't as high of a priority. I mean, it was still pretty high. Like When people like Mario came out, and even Chris Brown to an extent, like people still cared about them vocally. You couldn't just go and, you know, not be able to sing. But I think they started focusing on the dancing as well and just the overall performance. Um, so I don't think really a lot changed from the 90s to the 2000s. I think around 2006, 2007 is where we started to see a drastic turn of events when you had, mm. you know, your boy Akon and My, your boy T-Pain. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Jeez. Come on, you love Akon. Yes. Isn't that uh that Gwen Stefani and Akon song like a top ten song for you? I wouldn't say a top ten song, but I do like it. That's that's like a guilty pleasure though. Sweet excuse. That's like a guilty pleasure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think um for the most part, it wasn't until then that R and B really changed significantly because you think of a song like Let Me Love You by Mario came out in 2004 2005 i don't know if it necessarily fits into a 90s playlist but like you could still hear elements of it but it's just crazy now when you listen to a lot of um urban acts on you know radio that are quoted as r&b and their music now has no linkage or no lineage to um 2000 or 90s r&b well it's actually interesting because I feel like artists are still being influenced by the 90s. Like, I just heard a rapper or some singer say, like, Donnell Jones, where I want to be, influenced his whole career or something. But then when you listen to the music, it has it has, sounds nothing like that era. It's it's kind of weird. Like, they still... It's funny, actually. ...will listen was, to it? <laughs> Go ahead. No, like, I, I, was, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who was trying to put me on to Tory Lane's Shoutouts to Tory Lanez, I guess. He's from Canada, so I got to give him some love. But, you know, my friend was telling me, like, man, you got to listen to this new Tory Lanez mixtape. It's super R&B, uh, 90s R&B. And I'm like, all right, like, 
it's Tory Lanez, so I'm not going to really expect much vocally, but if you're going to tell me it's 90s influence, I'm going to go listen to it, and every song on that mixtape, Tom, I assume you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, uh, every song on that mixtape samples a R&B song from, you know, and, and obviously, like, puts 808s on it and trap drums and all that stuff, and I guess that's what's considered 90s influence now, but it's... It it doesn't even sound anything like '90s R&B, aside from the sample. Yeah, you know it's on my to-do list. I just really haven't gotten around to it yet. So hopefully soon. Excellent. <laughs> you know that reminds me. You know, th- sorry, this is a bit of a tangent, but you know Eric Bellinger, who is a friend of ours, we supported the past on the site. You know he's kind of in that trap R&B lane, but he released an acoustic project acoustic version of his latest album and i was like all right it's probably gonna be some traditional r&b sounding stuff just him and a and a guitar but it was still like rap singing and turn up music acoustically i couldn't believe it wow and that ends that tangent but (laughs) but eric bellinger um is actually working with neo right now on neo's new album yeah so i'm a little nervous maybe that's where the traditional art I'm a little nervous too, but I mean, first of all, we love Eric Bellinger as the you know the person Eric Bellinger because he works super hard. Like you and I have this conversation all the time. Um, he's he he started off as a writer and he's actually you know created a brand for himself and people actually recognize his name now. So and we, we see him constantly put out music. So shout out to Eric Bellinger, but we really hope he can deliver on this Neo album. I mean, I don't think Neo necessarily need to right but i mean if he's working with him we got to support right absolutely and we will all right let's get back on, let's get back um, on track sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> but um i want to talk about something else um i was on facebook and i saw everyone i think ed was the first one to post it tom it was a post where you're supposed to name 10 song 10 albums i'm sorry that impacted your teenage life right so for ed it was from like 1963 to 1972 <laughs> ouch uh, i'm just kidding <laughs> ouch um, i didn't see ed's in fact so, i wonder what ed would have on there well we can take a look at that. let me see if i can find it but before before we get into ed's list i want to hear your list tom during your teenage years, I assume you were in late nineties. Is that yeah? Is that I, I was actually a late bloomer in R and B. I mean, I I didn't start listening to it until the late nineties. So for me, sure. like it's a little different. I mean, you can throw you can throw some hip hop stuff if you want because I know you're a big hip hop fanatic as well. Like Nas's Illmatic album is definitely in there. I still play it all the way through to this date. Remember when we saw him at Essence Festival performing the whole album? I was out there watching some of it yep. as a fan. Like that was fun. Um, I didn't know what was going on the entire set. <laughs> and uh, let me think. I gotta get. I gotta get on my Nas. Man, that's my number one right there. Um, Music Soul Child's debut. I think that might have been two thousand. I can't remember if it was ninety nine or two thousand, but that one had a big impact. I mean, that, well, we're saying my teenage years, not just the nineties. So that's one of them. Glenn Lewis's. Um, World Outside My Window album, believe it or not. I don't know why. That's a sad it, That's a sad album. It is, but 
I think just because you reminded me so much of Stevie Wonder with the vocals and the vibe of it, I liked it a lot. Um, you knew who Stevie Wonder was during your teenage years? Kind of. I didn't grow to appreciate Stevie Wonder until later, though. But then we got to also throw yep. in there John B's Cool Relax album, his sophomore album, Joe's My Name is Joe album. Um, believe it or not, Avant's debut album, My Thoughts, got heavy rotation from me. That came out around 99. Oh, Get Away? Get Away was a sad yeah. song. Um, how many is that? I'm trying to see here. Six. I used to actually listen to Jay-Z a lot and Mob Deep, but that's more hip-hop side. Um, yeah. Donnell Jones, is that one? Oh, right. Donnell Jones, Where I Want to Be. Jaheem's debut album. Um, I think it's called Ghetto Love. And Genuine's yep. 100% Genuine album. I think we're going to have a, a crossover on that one. Yep. Sure. Of course. Uh, what about Usher? Was it eighty-seven oh one for you? Yep. One twelve's room one twelve album definitely, and Jagged Edges, uh, J E Heartbreak. I think that'll round it out. Okay. The top ten. Cool. Um, let's go with Ed's list first because I just found it. Um, so he had Missy Elliott's Super Duper Fly, Biggie Ready to Die. Keith Sweat, self-titled, Nas, Illmatic, The Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers, Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt, Erica Badu, Baduism, Kirk Franklin, and the family. Wow. Wow. Uh, Drew Hill, self-titled, and Kelly Price, Soul of a Woman. We know Ed loves him some uh, <laughs> Kelly Price. <laughs> yes, he does. Very churchy, right? Yes. Yeah. Very, very, very churchy. I'm surprised he didn't have 112 on that list. And anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you're thinking about your own list, you got to think about it quick. I think the the stipulation was you had to do it on in on the spot. You couldn't like take time to yeah. think about it. So, absolutely. What's yours now? Um, let me give you my let me give you my list. So, um, and this was really quick on the spot. So I had Aaliyah's self titled album or the Red album, as some people like to call it. I had the Brandy Aphrodisiac album. I remember when I first listened to that, I was just... Because I, I had already known about Timbaland's production, but I think that album really... That that took it to another level. Uh, Genuine's 100%. Uh, Mario, surprise, surprise. Uh, his Go album. The thing about that album, though, Tom, is like... I remember that album kept getting pushed back. And there was one song on that album that I really, really wanted... Because um, I had heard a snippet of it on his MySpace at the time. It was the song Kryptonite uh, featuring Rich Boy. I think Ed likes him. Um, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and the album kept getting pushed back, and I just, I really wanted that song. And then, I don't remember where, but I think I, like, found it on, like, a Japanese music CD uh, website where you could buy CDs. Wow. And I played it on there and this was before the album came out this was like when it didn't even have a release date and it was already on this japanese website so i downloaded it from there wow um yeah uh n-e-r-d in search of i think that might have been on your list too tom if we expanded the 20s i'd have that in there 
for sure. You know what's crazy though? Like that's on my list, but as I was telling Ed, Pharrell's debut was actually on my list as well. Wow. I remember when I was going to school for about a month straight, I was listening to that Pharrell album nonstop. Uh, what was it? In my mind. Yeah. As I look back on it, I think only half of the album is good. But <laughs> oh man, it's okay. It's funny that happens. <laughs> as you get older, you change your opinion on stuff. It happens. You're like, I, you're like, I like this song. No. <laughs> um, Neo Neo's debut is on my list as well. In my own words, um, Usher 8701. I would say I probably listened more to confessions when it came out but 8701 it was probably the usher is probably what got me into like r&b full-time i just remember um when he came out with you remind me i don't know if you remember the music video but it always stood out to me that one scene where he like gets into a ferrari and it's the the doors are like a, a lamborghini door yeah I remember him. And I'm just like, I, and I, that's the video where he's like dancing through the elevator in the mall, right? Yeah, exactly. I remember that video. Yeah, and that that, and then you got it bad came out, and then you don't have to call, and that solidified me as an R and B fan. Mm. Um, and then the last one would have been "Play a Cheers to You," which I actually discovered a couple years after. Um, after it came out and the reason for that is you had the Aaliyah album you had the genuine album and people kept talking about this static dude and i'm like who is static so found out he was part of play a cheers to you and yeah that rounds up my list did i ever tell you how i found that album how i didn't even know about it i knew about cheers to you and don't stop the music but i never even really was interested in listening to it until Aaliyah had passed away, and I was just searching Aaliyah songs that I had missed, and I found yep. uh, One Man Woman, you know, featuring, play a featuring Aaliyah, and I was like, wow, this is good, so I listened to the whole album after that. It was like 2001. Wow. So that's how that's how that happened. I would have n- maybe never heard it otherwise, so I'm, I'm glad I did, though, obviously. I have, a, I have, a, yep. I have an interesting now question I- for you, though. I'm going to flip it on you real okay. quick. Of the albums you just mentioned sure. in your top ten, which ones would you yeah. realistically say are a classic? Oh man. <laughs> um The Aaliyah album, I'm gonna just say it's a classic. Oh man. Is that fair? The red album? It's not fair. No, no, it's- no. That that's her best album. I'm- I know people say one in a million is I'm but- not hating on it. No. I'm not hating on the album. No, I I th- I think it's a classic. Remember, I I would say it could be close. I'm not. To me, classic is maybe like one or two albums per year. Okay. Um. Oh, well, I guess it depends on who you ask. I think you got to remember. I think we had this conversation before when it first came out. Not a lot of people liked it, and it didn't really sell that well. Yeah, but I've been told I was wrong for saying that. I wasn't allowed to say that. Okay, we'll just pretend it. We'll just pretend it never <laughs> happened. Um, so you you know what you're right. Like I think some of it is just the fan in me that's calling it a classic. But I I would get I, I'm gonna give it a, a classic snap on it. All right, go ahead. Uh, I want to hear Ed's I want to hear Ed's opinion on it. Um, so what else did I? Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention my rap albums too. So we had Kanye West's uh, late registration. Oh, uh, the college dropout. I was aware of. 
and you know i listened to it and it's a great album but the late registration is the one that i remember like really liking and i remember when it came out and everything so that's why it's on there and then you have the games documentary oh man i was oh man i was never a huge g unit fan but that album i really liked so all right um so that, that there you go so uh i'm gonna give the stamp to the Aaliyah album um what else do we have brandy's aphrodisiac that's a personal favorite i don't think it's a classic i don't think anyone would call it a classic uh, but it's a great album right genuine's 100 percent. i don't know if i can call that a classic it's probably close um, it is a great album i'd say it's close it, it's pr- it's it's pretty darn close would you say it's closer than his debut? Oh, that's a tough one. I actually think they're side by side. Like if if classic is a five, yeah. I'll put them both at four point five. Like a, I would say even like a four point nine. Well, it's it's close. The thing is though, I feel like on a hundred percent there was just a few too many tracks. At least on his debut, it was like concise, and almost every song is is at least good. Like to me, a, a yeah, cla- but on the debut. You- what? Well, the, th- the thing about the debut, before I cut you, uh, sorry about cutting you off, but I was just going to say, the problem with Genuine's debut album is, I think at least 75% of the album had the pony burping sound on it. <laughs> think about it. I mean, I guess, but yeah, they were trying something new, and it, wor- it worked. But I think Timbaland, I think Timbaland overdid that one. But Got a little okay. carried away. That's all right. <laughs> yep. Uh, Mario's Go album, um, Go rhymes with no, so I'm not going to say no, it's not a classic. Right. <laughs> NERD's In Search Of, that's a classic, right? That's a cult classic. That's a cult classic. I'm not going to say that's a... That's some weird stuff on there. Didn't I tell you I think Pharrell was definitely high at the time through the whole album recording? Yep. I think if you listen to what he's talking about, it's just like, okay, <laughs> what's going on? Still better than still better than what Pharrell talks about nowadays. So, <laughs> uh, what else do we have here? Neo's "In My Own Words" album. Again, I I don't know if I would call it a classic. I would uh, because if you consider, uh, I mean, consider the era it came out. Yeah. In. Like if you compare it to all its, yeah. its peers, I'd say yes. Ed would say definitely not. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I, I, I'm leaning towards a classic on this one. It had it had a bunch of big singles. Overall, it was a great album. Still, an album that I listened to actually. Me too, actually. I'll give. So there you go. I'll give that one to Neil. Um, still, still uh, baffles me that they put out the PD Crack uh, song as the lead single. That never made sense to me. Right. But anywho, <laughs> play a cheers to you. Uh, probably a cult classic right. more than. A classic classic. Right. Um, shout out to Black, though, um, from the group Digital Black. As I was listing these albums, he actually commented on my Facebook, and he, he said it was an honor that the Playa album was on my list. Like, I'm actually somebody that matters. But <laughs> Come on, shout man. Shout out to course, Digital Black. <laughs> do you realize you're one of the few voices left in R&B? Oh, seriously. Who else even really represents for R&B these days? Besides some random That's true. trending Twitter once every five years, you know? the way it is yep <laughs> fair enough um and then the last album on that list was what 8701 yeah that is you, i'll say it. that that's a classic that's a classic so uh, can i do mine real there quick you go what about your 
Yeah, what's yours? So we have uh, so we have the Avant debut. The Avant debut is not a classic, but I will say it's his best album by far. Not to say the rest of it is bad, but it's close though. I'd say I still listen to that one to this day. One twelve room one. You think that's his best one? Would it- Hold on, you think Avant's debut is his best? Definitely. You're gonna say that. Uh, you're gonna say, that- um, director, right? Yep. Because of underdogs. I mean, that was part of it, yes. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, I think, no, I think it, it's a more cohesive album, personally. Well, you had to be there when it came out. It had str- Like, I'm, I'm just remembering oh, when it came out, and, like, it just didn't sound like the depth of the album, and, you know, that's how I'm looking at it. I, I like okay, I like Director enough. a lot, too. It's probably my second favorite of his, but my thoughts. Okay. So, uh, Room 112, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, J.E. Heartbreak, I'm going to say yes. Yep. 100% Genuine, we talked about. Jaheem's Ghetto Love, I'm going to say no. My Name is Joe album, I'm going to say... I'm going to say yes. No. I'm going to say yes. No. No. Oh, man. Please, please elaborate. I want to hear this. Well, there are... First of all, I I love Joe, but... It's another one that really you got to consider it for its time. Like, that was a huge album of its time. And listening through all the songs, there's not many I don't like on this album. I mean, Peep Show and Get Crunk Tonight, really. (laughs) But for the most part, I kind of like every song. So I'll say it's close, all right? I don't know. I, I would even put his debut on top of that one. Or not his debut, I'm sorry. All That I Am, the second one. All That I Am is good, too, but... Actually, I like the singles better on All That I Am than My Name is Jill, but... Exactly. That's another... But de- I don't even know if that one is a... Cl- I don't even know if that one is a classic, but... This is another debate for another time. We love Joe, though. Okay. John B., yep. Cool Relax. Yes. Yeah, that's a classic. You've actually listened to it? I have, actually. Wow, impressive. Yep. Damn, I, I didn't even include Mary J. Blige. You made me think about this too quickly, man. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have put every Mary J. Blige album in there. In the 90s? Yep. <laughs> all for first four. All classics. Uh, I forgot what else I had, but close enough. Donnell Jones? Donnell Jones, yes. Or close, close. It's tough. How come it feels like... Maybe it's just our tastes have evolved, but why does it feel like there's no more classic albums coming out? No, there aren't. It's crazy. Well, like, well, but would you say that artists aren't capable of releasing a classic once they've passed their debut or their second album? Um. Yeah, as I'm thinking about it, it seems like, and I don't know if it's if it's you know them falling off per se or them losing the ability to but i think hype and marketing also goes into it as well Mm. like jasmine sullivan's last album was a great album but it's like everyone's forgotten about that album already i mean it's just the state of the what do you say was her best album um 
Ooh, that's a tough one. Her debut was probably the best one. Yeah. But the, the, the latest one was pretty good, too. You know who released a great album and it was their fourth album? Who? Chrisette Michelle. We're going to talk about Chrisette Michelle now? <laughs> no, but actually she did. The, the better album? No, yeah, for sure. Um, that was a- yeah, like... Because I remember her 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 debut album came out, and I it was like a jazz album, so I didn't really have any interest in that. <laughs> Ouch. The Epiphany album. Well, I'm just being honest. No shade. Uh, I remember when the Epiphany album came out, and that was actually I really liked that album. Neo had a big hand in helping with that one, and I was a big Neo fan at the time, so that album I really liked. The one after that, um, it was the one with I'm a Star on it. Let Freedom uh, Reign. What's the name of that album? Yeah, that one I didn't. That one I didn't really like. But you're right, better, which came out on Motown, right? Yep. That was a great album. Yeah, great, great album. Yeah. So we're just foreshadowing because Chrisette Michelle will come up later in this discussion. But let's just get into it now for a minute. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but before, so as everyone I'm sure knows already, and they probably saw it on TV, Chrisette Michelle. Um, was part of uh, President Trump's inauguration ceremony. Yep. Tom, Tom, did you get a chance to watch everything? I didn't watch it live, but I found the video online and featured it on the site. When I posted it on the site and I said, you can watch um, the performance, a lot of people on Twitter said, just responded and said, no, thanks. <laughs> I'm just Ouch. I'm just saying... Anyway, it was a, well, it, it was a, it, it was interesting actually. It was a gospel song. I don't know if she did a full set or what. I can't really find the news because it was a private event. But it wasn't actually at his inauguration. It was a it was like one of the after parties that he has attended. So okay. it was a little different. But uh, and they only have one song online. It was her and a gospel singer and a choir, and uh, it was a gospel song. That's all I saw. But hmm. real talk, Tom. Do you think Donald Trump knows uh, any Chrisette Michelle songs? Well, that's I thought of that actually, and I don't even know if he knows who that is. I don't think he does, honestly. Hmm. Do you? Well, we read online that, and uh, now probably not, but we read online that she got paid. Are you ready for this, Tom? Ready. Seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for her performance. Uh she is getting married. You know, that could go a long way towards the marriage and the wedding. Those are expensive, man. You saw mine. <laughs> yep, you can speak from experience. You know that. You yep. saw mine. <laughs> yeah. But all, in, all, um, in all seriousness, we tweeted that we were hoping she would donate some of that to one of the causes that are happening right now with all these protests. So I think that would be great if she used – she did issue a open letter prior to the performance stating her side of the story. Yeah, I mean – I mean, I think we were talking to Ed about this, and he obviously isn't happy with what has transpired. I think the message from the outside looking in, it looks like she just did everything for the money. Um, but I don't really want to get into that too much because we're here to talk about the music. But all I'm saying is, you know, it would be great if, you know, she did the right thing and donated some of that money. Maybe not all of it, but some of it to charity. Um, you know, I got so can definitely use some of that money. Oh, um, and then for the rest of it, I'm not going to hate on her if she's going to use it for her career. Cause 
let me tell you, R&B is struggling, and any extra cash that you can get, you should probably get it. She's an independent artist now. You know, her, her last album, Milestone, was her first independent album. She's got her own label. So, yeah, definitely. I hope she uses that towards the, you know, the next album or whatever. I mean, she she just did the uh, Love Jones stage play tour, so that was big for her. We're still going to support, though. That's the bottom line. We're still going to support the music. We might not support her decision. Yeah. We don't have uh, any comment on her decision to perform. We'll get into politics, but we will still support the music. You know what's crazy though, Tom? $750,000, obviously in today's music industry, uh, the state of the music industry today, that goes a long way as an independent artist. So I don't hate on Chrisette for making a business decision. But as I was thinking about that amount of money, it made me realize um, there's there's a lyric by Timbaland that says he gets half a mil for a beat. 500000 for a beat. So Chrisette Michelle could technically technically get a primetime timbo beat wow maybe she'll uh maybe he'll pick one out of the vault for her or maybe he's saving those all isn't for that cra- is he saving those all for tink's album or what <laughs> who knows <laughs> but it's it's even it's even amazing to fathom that a beat back in the day could cost half a million dollars yeah and it's actually interesting that most of those producers that were making a lot of money in the 2000s are now struggling to get placements because you know artists don't have budgets like that anymore to afford them, especially R&B. Yeah. So it's kind of unfortunate, actually, especially with streaming. This is another tangent, yep. but people don't even realize when it comes to streaming, artists get a, a cut, but really producers are the one, and writers are the ones suffering because you know how are you going to... What are they profiting off of? If you just throw something on a mixtape or just for streaming for free, it's tough. Exactly. But you know what's crazy? I was reading on Google um, that Nas actually paid $2 million for a Neptune beat. Oh, man. Don't tell so me. So that got me thinking. Don't tell me it's that Fly is Dangerous I was, song. I think it's that one, but I don't know if it is. Oh, man. What other Nas Neptune songs are there? I think that's... that's... Yeah, I mean, there's the one that uh, he did with Khalees. Well, that wasn't his song, though, was that? No. No, I don't think so. Popular Thug was a Khalees song. Yeah. So it might be that Fly's Angel song. That wasn't even a single, though, was it? No, it it was on the Charlie's Angel soundtrack, I think. Jeez. Two million dollars. I don't know. I gotta. We gotta confirm that. We'll get Pharrell or Chad up here one day and we'll ask them. Or probably more likely Shay. Yeah. <laughs> Ken or Kenna. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Well, anywho, Tom, I, I wanted to quickly talk about. Do you have anything else before we hop into this food discussion? Uh no. Let's hop into it. What do we got? Oh man, food discussion. It's it's been a while since one of those. Um Well, actually I heard that uh I think it was McDonald's they're changing the Big Mac recipe or something. You hear about that? I think they're throwing they're throwing a bacon on it, I believe. Why do we always end up talking about fast food? We we don't have any class at all on this podcast. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Jeez. That's pretty bad. Well, Tom, I want to 
I'll tell you what we're going to talk about because I actually just looked this up yesterday. Of all the fast food joints that you've gone to, which would you rank as the best place to get chicken nuggets or <laughs> chicken tenders or chicken fingers? I, man, I was just in the airport. Cause I, I, here, here, let me tell you, I was just in the airport. And since I don't eat red meat, I really had very few options of what I could eat before I got onto a plane. Yep. And I ended up getting Burger King chicken nuggets. And let me tell you, they weren't that good. Ouch. <laughs> they didn't even give me any dipping sauce. So well, that's a problem. They didn't offer any. I didn't even know if they had any. You know, so it was it was pretty bad. I actually like Okay. I, I, I like McDonald's actually, believe it or not, chicken nuggets. With the sweet and sour well, sauce. Those are the classic ones. Yeah. Yep. Well, I have a list pulled up right now of the top nine or the nine nuggets ranked from worst to best. Are you ready? Yep. So number nine, do you guys have White Castle over there? Yeah, although I've never eaten there in my life. All right, then we're going to... So White Castle is chicken pretzel donut-shaped rings. What the hell is that? All right, number nine. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Let me say that again. White Castle's chicken pretzel donut-shaped rings. That sounds... No comment. (laughs) No, we're going to move on. We do need... So at number eight... We we need, need to get a food sponsor for our studios. I'm getting hungry. We, well, I'll take any sponsor at this point. <laughs> we need to get that bread. Um, so, at number eight, we have, oh, here we go, Burger King's Classic Nuggets. That's about right. So, number eight is the second lowest? Yeah. All right. Sorry, Burger King. Number seven. Oh, I'm actually surprised it's this low on the list. Uh, KFC's popcorn nuggets i think i've tried those once popcorn chicken i've had that once they're pretty good it was okay it's all right number six we have white castle's chicken donut rings i don't know what the difference between this and (laughs) the top one is actually you know what this one isn't a pretzel they made the list twice that's how good they are wait yep no hold on they made number they made the list twice and they could even make it to the top five with either one that's pretty bad there might be one more i don't know (laughs) Uh, number five. I think you can appreciate this one. You've talked about this before. The Burger King chicken fries. Oh man, I had, I had heartburn immediately after eating those. It wasn't good. It was pretty. <laughs> it wasn't good. It, I needed to get Tums right after eating those. I mean, they oh, they they, they taste good going down, but then it's like, oh man, indigestion, heartburn. Man, moving on. Moving on, we have number four, Popeyes chicken nuggets i've never popeyes had Popeyes is solid for i thought you had uh chicken strips from yeah popeyes. we had popeyes remember in new orleans but i never had the nuggets though yep that was a bad experience a funny story remember about that? that was a bad experience yeah <laughs> yeah i remember that because i was lining up and they asked me i think if i wanted rice or corn or, or something like that and people in new orleans have like a really thick accent so i didn't and they talk really fast so i didn't know what was going on no i think they were expecting you to know was, like what you were supposed to do to order and you were like, oh right, and you were like, oh, I have no idea what's going on, and then it seemed like they got yeah. pissed because you were slowing things down. Yeah. So next time we go to New Orleans, we need a we need a host or someone to help us out. Yep. All right. So number three, Chick Fil A nuggets. I had Chick Fil A once about fifteen years ago. And I, I don't remember anything about it. 
Mm. All right. Well, we're down to the last two. Number two, the McDonald's Chicken McNuggets. Uh-oh. Whatever's number one on this so list, that's not I'm, number I'm, one. I'm going to run out right now and get some after this podcast ends. Well, Tom, if you're going to go get some nuggets, you might as well grab a Frosty as well. It's the Wendy's Chicken Nuggets. Oh, man. Wendy's. I never even had those. Interesting. It might be time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> have you had them? So we're on the con- – I have – no, I haven't had those either. Uh, I think we only have like one mm. Wendy's left in, in Vancouver. So. Damn. Tough times. Yep. Yep. Do you know on the uh, the Latin no, other podcast where you were talking about where you remember you asked about toast sandwich? Yeah. So I actually asked people in real life if they ever had a toast sandwich, and no one knew what I was talking about. Just so you know. Damn. <laughs> I might go make myself <laughs> one right now. Actually. <laughs> Hold up! You just came back from uh, Disney World, right? Yeah, I found Goofy. He's R and B, isn't he? Did you find? Did you eat one of them uh, turkey legs? I did not, but I did see them. The people look like a bunch of savages <laughs> walking around eating those things. It's kind of gross to watch people who try must... to eat that. Yeah, you, you don't even have a napkin. You just kind of just bite into it. It gets all over your face, the sauce, and you just kind of walk around with it. It's, and it's greasy and everything? Yeah. It's not pretty. It's fried, so it's greasy. Oh, man. <laughs> but they sell a lot of them. Hey, but hey, carnival, carnival food is great. What do you have? The uh, the cinnamon donuts? Carnival mini food? Mini donuts? Oh, man. Yeah, man. Carnival food. You have the mini donuts. You have, what is it, cotton candy, hot dogs, corn dogs. I'm getting hungry already. We got to get a sponsor here. Someone, someone when I was asking about the toast sandwich, asked me if I liked Taco Bell. And if you listen to previous <laughs> podcasts, you know how we feel about Taco Bell. <laughs> it's good for cleaning your stomach, but it's not good for eating. <laughs> I mean, it tastes good going down. But yeah, but it doesn't last long. It, it, like thirty seconds later, you're done. <laughs> Pretty much. Man. Um. That, yeah, that seems to be it for this episode of the podcast, Tom. Uh, what do we have going on on You Know I Got Soul right now? It's been kind of a slow year for us. It's so been far. a slow year for R&B so far. So we're, we've been posting a lot of rare gems on the site. I've been digging these up. A lot of songs we missed from the 90s, B-sides from singles and rare remixes. So check those out on the site uh, for the most part. We should be... Uh, Bell Biv DeVoe is coming out with our album Three Stripes next week, and hopefully we'll be interviewing them. Other than that, there's no release dates in sight, so Seven Streeter was supposed to be coming out, but that got pushed, and Mary J, okay, same so we story. We still haven't heard I don't know what's coming out it. next. She's on tour. She actually just performed in New York yesterday. Kind of surprised you weren't there. I guess you were eating Burger King nuggets instead, but it's all good. <laughs> yep. But right. um, that's that. That seems to be it for this podcast. We apologize <laughs> if you guys missed Ed. We'll Thanks. be sure to bring him back um, sometime sooner so. than later. But uh, until then, this is Tom and Kyle. We're signing out. Until next time, peace. <laughs>